So tonight, we're going to be continuing our series called Basic. Uh, now, if you're here for the first time in the series, you may be confused, and it may not be the, the definition of basic that you know uh, from the internet. The internet's like a dark and mean place, so any word typically used on the internet is just a mean word, uh, and it typically is used on the internet that way. We are talking, however, about the foundations of Christianity, the basics of following Jesus, what that means, what that looks like. Um, so I'm just going to run through kind of the stuff that we talked about, because I just think it's important, and if you miss some of it, I want to fill in the, bank, the blanks for you, but I'm going to go through it so fast, okay? So the first week we talked about worship. We talked about the importance of learning worship, that uh, it's not going to be something that comes intuitively, intuitively to you, so you're going to spend time worshiping God, and he's going to teach you how to worship. We said, why do we worship? Because God deserves our worship. When, in all circumstances, no matter what's going on in your life, and how, in spirit and in truth, which means genuinely you're going to mean it, uh, and you're going to, it, it's a thing of spirit, it's a focus on Jesus and exchange of love. The second week we talked about the Trinity, and this is a cool, it's like, the reason it's in basic, like it's a deep theological idea and hard to understand, you'll never completely understand it, but it's talked about so much in, in the word. Uh, in the Bible, as well as just in church language that I think is important to talk about so we know what, what's being talked about here. Um, and we talked about how God, the Trinity, Trinity is the word that means three, one, tri-unity, um, and that is a contradiction in itself. Our God is one being in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Bible's forward lean, how it's always suggesting the new way that God's going to reveal himself. Uh, and we also talked about a sculpture and how a sculpture can understand the artist Right, you heard me right. Like a hunk of marble can understand a human just about as well as we could understand our God. Because we are the creation, he is the creator in the same way. We have that same um, relationship, that same distance and understanding. So it's not an excuse not to think about God or try to understand God, but hopefully it's a little bit comforting to understand you'll never totally get God. The third week we talked about money. We talked about the portion that God asks for, how he asks for 10%, the word tithe. Um, the place is the storehouse. We take our, our tithe to the building where we get the most um, spiritual growth in our life. The third thing was the purpose. We talked about the uh, the reason God wants our money, and, and the reason is that he, he wants it because it's a way to get to our heart. He doesn't like need our money, but he wants ourselves. He wants us to be devoted to him, and he knows that where we give our money is the things that we are devoted to. And the third was, pl- or the fourth was plus, and that is just the idea of giving above that tithe at 10% uh, in offering, and in here we do that to speed the light. Then uh, week four, this is a long series, but it's great. Um, we talked about disciplines, basic discipline, uh, and what it means to have spiritual disciplines, these basic behaviors that Christians do to get closer to Jesus. Prayer, reading the Bible, Christian friendships. We talked about like a three-legged stool uh, and how that these three things are, are how you build a Christian life. We talked about your 10 and 10 and friends, 10 and 10 and friends. 10 and 10 is every day spending 10 minutes in, in prayer and 10 minutes in reading the Bible. Every single day, you're not going to be perfect at it. I'm not perfect at it, but it's a really great base to uh, start getting more connected with Jesus through 10 and 10 and friends. 
Last week, it got a little weird, and we talked about purity. We talked about sex, and so that was super fun. We asked these questions. What did God create? Uh, and God's design for sex and marriage, um, that sex is used properly. It's a great thing when you use it the way God designed it. La- the second question was, how should we date as Christians? The easy answer being, don't, because that's what your parents told you to do. Don't date. Um, but if you do, you're towards the end of your high school time. You're like, all right, it's time for me to figure out who I'd like to marry, uh, what kind of person I'd like to marry. Not that you're going to marry whoever you date in high school, because you probably won't. Um, but things that to keep in mind are, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. So like, don't get hitched up with somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. That's not the way that he intended it. So you're going to only date Christians. We talked about a race, you know, you're running toward Jesus as fast as you can. And uh, maybe at some point later in your high school, maybe college time, you look over and someone's running just as fast towards Jesus. Maybe that's the person you like run a little bit closer to. Um, Don't ever sit down in your race and stare at each other because you've missed the point. Keep running towards Jesus. Um, And then the third question is, why should we wait? If this sex thing is great and God made it great, uh, why do we have to wait until marriage? Why does that God's design? uh, Don't don't question God's design like he knows what he's talking about. But there are reasons because when you do that before marriage, you are creating bondage. You're connecting yourself with that person before you're committed. People refer to marriage as bondage. (laughs) That's not cool, but uh, people do that. But really the, the, that intimacy of sex is what really is bondage, uh, and that's why God wants that in marriage, because you have a commitment, but whenever you do that outside of marriage, and then you break up, that's when it, it's being abused. It's not happening the way God intended it. So he says, first you make the commitment, and then you get to experience that with one person, you know, that intimacy of sex. So I talked about that enough. All right. Look at that up there. We have, we have developed a really nice... I'm sweating because of all this talking and because that air conditioner was not, (laughs) but, uh, we have, we've spent five weeks, (laughs) five weeks talking about the basics of Christianity. Um, and this, this is the end of the basic series and it's kind of what I see as the last basic step. Um, it's the culmination of all of these steps and that is water baptism. So we're talking about basic baptism tonight. Um, we're learning from Jesus' baptism in the in the book of Matthew, I believe. Yes. And uh, we're going to find these three things. And Carter could probably tell you about them because I talked to Carter a lot about it. There he is. I was like, where is he? I really thought I saw him. Hey, man. Carter could tell you that Jesus' baptism and our baptism is right, it's wet, and it's transformational. Right, wet, transformational. All right? Tonight we're talking specifically about water baptism. Uh, if you're like wondering what is baptism in the Holy Spirit and how does that relate, uh, it's a very different thing. If you have no idea what you're talking about, what that means, that's not a problem because water baptism is basic. So that's what we're talking about tonight. We can read about when Jesus was water baptized in Matthew 3. Matthew is uh, a book in the Bible, one of the first of the first four of the New Testament called the Gospels, which are the story of Jesus. Um, and so, so we see in Matthew 3, this is the Jesus' baptism experience. And I'm going to read uh, 13 to 17 for you. Stay engaged with me. Read along on the screen while I read it aloud. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to d- deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and 
And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Let's pray to get started. Jesus, thank you so much for your word that we can use as an instruction manual to teach us how to live life abundantly, to teach us how to get the most out of this life that you have for us on earth and how to have eternity with you after our time on earth, God. So we just thank you for that instruction that you've given us and that we can learn from the baptism of your son, Jesus, and uh, how we can apply that to our lives. God, I pray that you're moving in hearts today, that our, that our salvation prayer was, was impactful for some people in here, and that they look to take the next step, and that is baptism. So we thank you. I pray you're a part of everything we do. I pray not a word that comes out of my mouth is from me, but that you have your hands over everything that's happening in here. In your name we pray. Everybody said... Amen. So let's give you some background to the scripture in Matthew 3. We got two people we're talking about, Jesus and John. Jesus and John. This is John the Baptist. You may have heard of this guy, uh, John the Baptist. He was actually Jesus' cousin, so they were cousins. And um, this is what the Bible says about John the Baptist earlier in that chapter, Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now this is a reference to an, a prophecy in the Old Testament. Uh, we've talked about prophecy before, and, and if you don't know, the Bible split up into the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, the Old Testament, as we mentioned earlier when we talked about the Trinity, is, is suggesting something's going to change. It's hinting at the next way God's going to reveal himself, and it was hinting toward Jesus. And what was going to happen around this um, Jesus idea, and there was all kinds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. Um, specifically, one of my favorite in the book of Micah, he says, the Savior is coming, he will be born in Bethlehem. Our Savior Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and that was him fulfilling one of many, many Old, Old Testament prophecies. This prophecy, if you could go back there, um, in Matthew 3, uh, or Matthew 3 is referencing a prophecy from the book uh, of Isaiah. And it's cool, because you'll see these quotes. These, hopefully these quotes will make this point make a little more sense. Um, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And this is what John the Baptist was saying. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. End quotation. Um, this is he, in reference to John the Baptist. This is the one who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Another quote here. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. This sentence here, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, is is what was talked about in Isaiah. And so we get like a quote within a quote within a quote here, so I want you to see a little bit of literature class for you. Um, it says, this is what the prophet Isaiah said, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, this is what Isaiah said the person coming is going to say. Does that make a little bit of sense? Give me some head shakes. Oh, good. Because uh, I'm sweating trying to explain it. But, um, the voice is coming and saying, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Spoiler alert, this is John the Baptist. This is who uh, this prophecy was about. So John the Baptist is ministering and he's getting people ready for Jesus. He's saying, prepare the way for the Lord because the Messiah is coming, so get ready. That's John the Baptist. Next, we have Jesus. Very important character in human history. Um, John the Baptist his cousin, knew that his cousin Jesus was the Savior. He knew that he was the Messiah, that he was the one that the Old Testament was prophesying about. He knew that this was the guy he had been saying, prepare the way for. Um, so when Jesus walks, when the Messiah walks up to John the Baptist and asks him to baptize him, 
Can you imagine that? Like, even if you're like the pastor guy who's baptized in all kinds of people, if the Messiah walks up to you, are you with me? Like, you can't put this in... I mean, the Messiah has only walked the earth once, so any metaphor is going to fall short. But imagine, like, like you get pulled, I don't know, you get pulled on stage at a concert, and the musician's like, all right, you got it. You know? Like, all right, you sing this line for a bit. That's, like, a little metaphor hopefully you can get. Uh, or, if, or if the Pope walked up to you and said... Would you pray for me? <laughs> right? Can you imagine that kind of feeling? That's what John the Baptist had approached. The Messiah of the world, the one that the Old Testament talked about, said, would you baptize me? He says, absolutely not. That's super weird. You're the one who needs to baptize me because you're the Messiah. Um, but Jesus insisted. And he said, to make this happen, you need to baptize me. Because baptism is important. Baptism is important. So um, we're going to break down this passage and look at it piece by piece um, and learn those three things about baptism that I mentioned. So the first thing that we can learn from this passage about baptism is that baptism is right. The verse that said, Jesus replied, let it be so now it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. That's when John consented. When John, when Jesus said to John, we got to do this because it's the right way to do this. That's when John consented. So baptism is so right that even the perfect savior of the universe, Jesus, wanted to be baptized. That is a behavior I want to follow, right? <laughs> I want to live after his model. So that's why it's right. There's another verse in Matthew 28, 19 that emphasizes baptism. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may have heard this verse before because lots of different areas of the church will use this verse for things. The missionaries will say, therefore, go. That's why I'm going. Churches will say, make disciples. That's why we're teaching. But those are all very important. But additionally, this verse ends with baptism. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. If you've ever seen a baptism, you may have heard those words. Or if you were baptized, they probably said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dunk. That's probably what happened. So that's where this comes from. It comes from this verse. Uh, baptism is important. It's right. It's, it's the way it was intended. And just to give you an idea of what baptism represents, um, I wear this wedding ring. Um, Sam and I have been married for close to three years now, coming up on three years. Um, but we've actually been together for nine years. Um, which is forever. It was like six years before we were married that we were together. So we already had this, we had this relationship that had started. Uh, we dated way longer than most do, but uh, we were communicating. We were understanding each other. We wanted to love each other well. So this wedding ring was a symbol of a commitment that was already there. It was a symbol of a commitment. Um, and in the same way, baptism is a symbol of your commitment to God. Now, I don't suggest that you be saved for six years before you get baptized. We'll talk about that more. But baptism is a symbol of your love and commitment for God. In the same way, this wedding ring is a, is a symbol of my relationship to my wife. Baptism is a symbol of your commitment and relationship with Jesus. So we can learn from this passage, baptism is right. We can also see that baptism is wet. Matthew three sixteen. later in the same passage, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Now, he went up out of the water because he had been under the water. 
Do you see what I'm inferring here? Um, I don't need to just infer from that language. That if you don't know, the Bible was originally written, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. It was written in, by people who spoke Greek, so it was written in Greek, the Old Testament in Hebrew and Aramaic, Aramaic. But the New Testament was written originally in Greek, and we translated it to English. And uh, this word baptized here, the Greek word is baptizo. And uh, if you said the word baptizo to a person who spoke Greek, the picture in their head is someone going underwater. You know, in the same way, if like, if I were to say dunk, you know what that means. You dunk, like underwater, in the water, and back up, out of the water. Um, so uh, so th- that's why we know what this word means. That's why we know it means full immersion in water. Because if a Greek person said that word, that's how they would understand it. They would understand it as dunk. Um, and that's how we know that's how it happened. Baptism means dunking. Now... I just want to address um, infant baptism is a very real thing, and, and a bunch of you in here. Was anybody sprinkled as a baby? There's no shame in that. Go ahead and put your hand up if you're sprinkled. I'm not. That's great. Um, that is how many people um, interpret this verse. They, they wanted to. They 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 interpreted some things as an AG church. We would say they interpreted some things incorrectly, and uh, they said you sprinkle them so that if they you get them real real young because you got to sprinkle them because if you, they die before you sprinkle them they don't go they don't get to go to heaven. Uh, we would say you're reading your Bible incorrectly. Um, you couldn't stop them, so don't think that I'm like blaming you for being sprinkled. <laughs> you were an infant, so um, just so you know, our Assemblies of God Church does not see that baptism, that sprinkling, as the fulfillment of this verse. Um, Jesus was 30 when he was baptized. Like, that's something to to look at this model of baptism. Um, If Jesus was sprinkled as a baby, I would certainly say that's what we should be doing. But Jesus wasn't baptized until he was 30, um, so I'd say that we should not do it as infants. We, We say that you get baptized after your salvation, and and we will back that up here in a little bit with scripture. But like pretty soon after you're sal- you're saved, um, that's when we say you get baptized. Again, this is just a place where we disagree. I don't think that that it's like a sin that you got sprinkled as a baby or anything. Um, we just our church teaches that if that happened, if you were sprinkled as a baby, that that, that was not the fulfillment of the scripture, and you should be baptized in full immersion later in your life. Just so that's that's kind of where we stand there. So if you could put a little music on back there, just to kind of help us land the plane. Um, so the, the baptism is right. It's wet. And the third thing is that we can learn from this scripture that baptism is transformational. Even for Jesus, it was transformational. Um, Because for Jesus, as I said, he was 30 when this happened. And his baptism marked the beginning of his ministry. It marked the time where he he was no longer a carpenter. And now he is a traveling pastor, son of God, etc. So Jesus started his ministry at at 30. He He was doing miracles and walking around and ministering and talking about about himself telling people that he was the Lord for about three years before he was crucified. But the baptism marked the beginning of his ministry. It was a transformation for him in his life. Matthew 3.17, just from that verse, that, that passage about his baptism, it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is a Trinity verse where the, the God the Father is speaking over Jesus, speaking over God the Son, saying that baptism is good, that this is the this is a point, this is a um, an important time for Jesus. This is his launching off point for ministry. So 
following Jesus's model, that tells me that when, when I'm baptized, something should change. I should have some sort of transformation in my life where I stop putting myself first. I start putting God first. I start putting others before myself. Where I stop leaning on my own understanding, but I start to lean on God. I start to tithe. I start to feel uncomfortable about sketchy things that I was doing before that didn't feel weird like um, before I, I had this experience with God. It's a transformation. I'm not saying all of that stuff happens simultaneously. I'm just saying that baptism is a is a point in your walk with Jesus that's going to change things because it was for Jesus. Now, you're not necessarily going to travel the world after you're baptized or walk around like Jesus did doing miracles. That could certainly be your calling, but not necessarily. Um, you will experience a change. You will experience transformation. After salvation, baptism, biblically, baptism is the next step. We can see that in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38. Peter is talking to a crowd. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Boom. Repent and be baptized. Repent is a is a churchy word for what we prayed earlier. Uh, I admit that I'm a sinner. I accept Jesus' sacrifice for my sin. Repent. Step two be baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So like I said, Peter was talking to a crowd of people that had accepted Jesus. They were pro-Jesus. They were saying, yes, we believe he rose from the dead. And um, and Paul said, or Peter said, your next step is baptism. Repent and be baptized. And again, this word here is baptizo, the same word he was used uh, for Jesus' baptism. And uh, this is the next step for the, this, this whole crowd. They believed they repented, and then they should be baptized. It's going to mark a transformation in their life. They're going to now be different. They're going to start ministry somehow. So it's transformational. Now, we believe that baptism is so transformational. It is not. The Bible says it's so transformational that in Romans six four, it likens it to dying and and being reborn, coming back to life as something di- different. That's how big of a transformation we're talking about here. Um, this is that verse. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we believe that Jesus died. He was he was killed on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins. He was put in a tomb and left for dead. And three days later, he came back from the dead. We believe that, that that's an event in history. That's not a, a story in a book that we read. It's an event in history that this, the church, like this one and the one over there, and like most of the ones around us <laughs> and all over the world, were founded on this event in history, that Jesus died. He's the Son of God. He died and came back to life. All that to say, that transformation is what we experience when we start a life with Jesus. It's just like everything before dies and we come up something totally new. Now, Every pastor will do this slightly differently. Just like a wedding, you'll see pastors say different things at a wedding. Pastors will say different things as they baptize. When I baptize people, I use this language. I said, just as Christ died and rose again, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because this is a big change for you. This is a transformation. This is something is dying in you, just like you're putting it under the water. And when you come out of the water, it's something totally new. It's a new creation. Baptism is right, it's wet, 
and it's transformational. So I hope that you understand baptism just a little bit better um, based on Jesus' baptism. That's a really great place to look. It's in Matthew 3. So if you want to look at it later, it's in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Baptism is right, it's wet, and it's transformational. So we're going to have a baptism service. Um, I don't have a date yet because I want to give you guys a window to talk to me about it. And I don't want you to feel like there's a deadline quite yet. Um, But it's going to be real soon. It's not going to be, school will not have started yet when we have this. I'm hoping to do it in this room on a Wednesday night. That's the goal. Uh, But that could be challenging based on we don't have a pool. Um, But we're going to try and get something down here to make that happen. And I don't know where you are in this conversation, in this baptism experience or salvation thing. Uh, Maybe you're a Christian and you've been baptized. If that's you, you believe that you understood baptism when you were baptized, you did it the way Jesus suggested you do it. There was a transformation in your life. Um, If that's you, you get to come and be a part of baptism service and cheer on your friends. Because just like we cheered after people were saved, we cheer when people are coming out of the water because that is the next step in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, but you've never been baptizo baptized. You've never been fully immersed in water. This is your chance. And I've heard lots of stories of people letting that chance go, like by them a bunch of times, because uh, they were nervous. They didn't want to ask anyone about it. They didn't. They just didn't want to do it. So they felt like they should. But years go by. They miss opportunity after opportunity. I don't want you to do that. I'm telling you this so that you cannot. So you recognize that pattern and you stop it. That you recognize. I'm about to let another opportunity for baptism go by and not do that. I want you to step up. Make this the time. If you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized in water, full immersion in water, this is your opportunity. We're going to make it happen in here. Some of you in here probably haven't made a commitment to Jesus. You're not buying it yet. Um, And that's totally cool. We say here that you don't have to believe a certain thing or behave a certain way to belong to this family. Um, So that's okay. But uh, if that's you and you haven't quite accepted that that uh, opportunity, or if you have accepted Jesus' sacrifice earlier in this service when we talked about it, you I highly encourage you to talk to somebody. Like I said, approach a leader or a student or me. I'd love to have that conversation with you. All you have to say is I did it. And when you get there, when you've had that moment of surrendering your, surrendering your life to God, the next repent and be baptized. That's your next step. You don't have to go through a bunch of classes. You don't have to um, spend nine hours a day praying for the next two weeks. You say, repent, and then be baptized. That's it. So we can have that, that. This opportunity is for you as well. So like I said, if you are interested in being baptized, talk to me or talk to your small group leader. Um, tonight is a great time for you to do that. We're going to move into small groups here soon. But don't let this opportunity go by you. Please don't miss it. If this is for you, take advantage. We, we are creating this opportunity so you can have your next step with Jesus. So you can take this next, take the plunge. With, <laughs> get it? Take, the, take this next step with Jesus because it's, it's important. It's, it's right. It's the way God set it up. And it'll change you. I believe it will transform you. Does that sound good? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for what we can learn about baptism, God. And I pray that you are speaking to people tonight. That you are talking to people who um, who thought they were good, who thought they'd done it, who maybe were, were sprinkled as a, as a baby and thought that that's what the fulfillment of the scripture looked like. God, I pray you're speaking to them and telling them to talk to their small group leader about getting baptized. God, I pray for that student that just tonight accepted Jesus for the first time. I pray that you're whispering in their ear, your Holy Spirit 
Spirit is talking to them and giving them the courage to talk to their small group leader about getting baptized. God, I pray for that student that has let opportunity go by after opportunity go by over and over again. And I pray that you stop that cycle, you help them identify that behavior and put an end to it. This is the time. This is the one they're finally going to take advantage of being baptized um, because it's right. Because it's the way you set it up. We know that it's in full immersion in water just like Jesus did it and that it marks a transformation in their lives and in their walk with you. God, thank you so much that we can do this to celebrate together as a family and a force. We can celebrate people taking this next step with you. God, we thank you so much. It's in your wonderful, beautiful, amazing name we pray. 